All right, grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37. Last week we began a new series called From Dream to Destiny. God has a dream for every person. God has a destiny for every person. Here's the problem. Many people live in the dream instead of fulfilling and walking in the fullness of the destiny. Um, this is going to be a 10-part series. We began last week. It's going to run through the summer. I mentioned this last week. I'm, I'm going to do the first two messages in this series and the last four. Uh, my wife and I are going to do a... We've been in this church planning journey for five years now, and our board has graciously offered us to take a little bit of a sabbatical this summer. So we're going to be in and out for a few weeks. You might see us here and there. We're going we're gonna to do a couple of weeks in Hawaii and, and then hiking and different kind of things. Um, Pray for us that we actually do rest because we like to go. You know what I mean? We like to hike. We like to move, you know, so I don't want to come back all tired. I will say this. I'm probably not coming back with a bunch of vision and new direction, all those things. Um, I'll probably come back rusty, to be honest. So because I'm, I'm going to just, yeah, anyway, we're going to enjoy it. Um, okay. Um, but we have an excellent preaching team lined up over the next few weeks. Um, and in full disclosure, I mentioned this last week, this uh, series from Dream to Destiny, it's not a Kurt Chamberlain original series. This is uh, from Pastor uh, Robert Morris, who's the pastor of Gateway Church in Texas. He originally preached uh, this series in 2003, later became a book. And every once in a while, if something just blesses me a lot, I've gotten a lot out of this in my life, it's, it's been applicable and helped me as a young man uh, grow and and. Uh, uh, begin to step into God's dream for me. Um, occasionally, when a, when there's a book or a series, we'll bring it here to uh, the church and and teach it. Now, I don't make a habit of that. In fact, in four and a half years of this church running, I've never um, just got someone else's series and re-preached it here. Um, I've never done that before, but um, I do feel like this is a this is a good thing to do right now. Um, so. Um, those of us who preach it here, though, we will kind of add our own stories, our own illustrations, ask the Holy Spirit to cater it to this church. So it's not just verbatim, obviously, but we want to um, cater it to what God's doing here. All right, here's the deal. Um, yeah, and those who have asked to preach over the next few weeks, um, I've selected the topic for them to preach because I, I felt like those, the people I've selected, the pastors I've selected to speak, have stories and illustrations that will correspond to the message that they're going to be talking about. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to happen. Okay, again, every person has a dream. It's from God. Every person has a destiny from God. Our dream for ourselves and God's dream for ourselves, they don't always align, but we want God's dream for us. Many times people live with the dream instead of walking in the fullness of the destiny. At least most people, I would say, prolong the process um, because they fail to learn these character tests. There's one thing that prevents many people from stepping into the fullness of what God has for them, and that one thing is character. Everyone say character. Okay? Oftentimes, it's character. Many times, God, out of his goodness, because he's a good father, right? He's a good father. Many times out of his goodness and kindness will not allow us to step into the dream he has for us because if we're not ready for it, we'll mess it up, right? You don't, you know, you don't give a, my, my daughter down here on the front row. She loves this one. I just call her out of nowhere. Um, she's 12 years old. She doesn't drive yet. I don't, I'm not going to give her a car and I'm not going to let her drive. Why? She's not ready yet, right? 
We're going to get her ready so that when she's 16, she can get her license and she can drive. Same thing with us. Okay, There's phases of our life. Some things we're not ready for. God will prepare us. But in some cases, we prolong the process by failing to learn the character tests that God has for us. Here's the deal. You don't want to be promoted beyond your um, character. You don't want to be promoted beyond your competency or character. Now, if you were going to hire someone to do a job and you had one person who had the competency but lacked the character and you had another person who had the character but lacked the competency, they were a little, a little lagging in the competency, you would be better off hiring the person who has the character who's a little bit behind in the competency because that person will be able to carry it and grow. But you don't want to bring someone on who doesn't have character. Okay, God, out of his goodness for us, many times restrains what he wants for us because we're not ready for it. Um, I have an illustration of, of what this is like. So go ahead, and, go ahead and put up that picture. Okay. All right. Now. All right. This is when, so you can't completely see the text. When you completely lie on your resume, but still get the job. Okay. That's what this, that's what this is like. Okay. Anyone ever completely lied on a resume? You still got the job. Okay. Um, you don't want to be promoted beyond your competency or character. Now listen. The guy who clearly stands apart from the group, um, there's nothing to say that he can't hit the weights and get some sun, you know, get, get a suntan. There's nothing to say he's incapable of it, but maybe not. Let's not put him on the stage just yet, okay? That's what God is like in our lives many times. If you get promoted beyond your character, you will inevitably falter. Joseph, in the story that we're following the life of Joseph from Genesis 37, Joseph was 17 years old when God gave him a dream. I mentioned this last week, but the the very first time I had the seed thought of being a pastor, being a full-time ministry, I was 17 years old. I was nowhere near ready to be doing what we're doing now. Or nine, you know, um, in 2008, we got hired as college pastors. I was nowhere near ready for that when I was 17 years old. God had to work in me some character and work some things out of me because I was kind of a mess. I love the Lord, but I was kind of a mess. Anyone ever been there? Okay. Joseph was 17 years old. He was, uh, when he got the dream, he was 30 years old when he began to fulfill the dream that God had for him. And it really wasn't until 40 till you could say that dream was complete. It was fulfilled. He had fulfilled the purpose of the dream that God had for him. Here's a question that I want everyone to ask themselves today. What is it in my character that God is trying to shape so that I can reach my destiny? What is it in my character that God is trying to shape so I can reach my destiny? Um, Listen, if the Holy Spirit answers that question, if God speaks to your heart and drops something in your heart, I want you to write it down and I want you to remember it. I want you to remember what he highlights to you and what he's working in you, okay? I know that, again, there's things from 10 years ago that, were, that God was working in me that I needed today. And he's working things in me today that I'm going to need 10 years from now. And it's the same thing with you guys. Okay, I don't care if you're 17 or 75 and retired. God is still working in your life and you, he, you still have something to do. Come on. All right. So, all right, let's read. Um, we're going to jump into Genesis 37, verse 13. Last week we talked about the pride test. In my opinion, Joseph failed the pride test. But again, I think God doesn't really ever give us an F at the top of the page. I think he puts retake at the top of the page. And you get to retake that test. And then you retake it again and retake it again. 
And so we want to stop retaking tests. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Have you ever had to retake a test in school? That's kind of frustrating. Redo, redo. You're like, you're never excited about it, right? Okay. All right. So this week we're going to talk about the pit test. All right. The pit test. Genesis 37, 13 through 24. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring word back to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now there was a certain man who found him there wandering in the field and asked him saying, what are you seeking? I think it's interesting that this man found Joseph. You know, he was a dreamer, uh, but he was also kind of a daydreamer. It looks like he's wanting this man found him wandering in the, in the field. Okay. Uh, this is interesting too. The, the word wandering, it's translated elsewhere as in the old Testament as deceived or seduced. And I think this was kind of a state of what Joseph was in in his life. He was kind of under the spell of his own, um, arrogance a little bit. He had a little bit of that arrogance and um, didn't have that discretion that God was trying to work in him. Verse 16. Uh, so he, so he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. You know, whenever I read the Bible, um, and it's describing a journey someone took. I always have a picture in my mind. I'm sure you do as well. A picture in my mind of this journey. And whenever I've read this story in the past, I've been like, okay, uh, Jacob sent Joseph on this journey. And he's like, go check on your brothers. I'm picturing like, you know, one side of Greeley to the other. You know, he walked a few miles, didn't find them uh, in Shechem, and then walked a few more miles and found them in Dothan. Um, but I was curious, like, how far did he actually walk? And uh, so I kind of researched a little bit. Go ahead and put up that picture. Hebron Valley is down at the bottom here. He goes to Shechem and all the way up to Dothan. Um, as the crow flies, this is about 60 miles, the total, the total journey. The, the road that he would have had to take and, and the windiness of that road, he would have ended up walking about 100 miles total to find his brothers. Can you imagine sending your 17-year-old on a 100-mile errand? It's like, go check on your brothers. You know, at the time, he didn't know they were 100 miles away because they went further. But I thought that was pretty interesting. Okay, verse 18. Then when, and it also gives a little bit of like, they were pretty far from dad. So they were, they're gonna, you'll see here they're going to conspire something against their brother. But it's not like dad's a couple miles away. They're really far from dad. Okay, verse 18. When they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, look, the dreamer is coming. For those of you that didn't hear the last week's sermon, Joseph's dream basically involved him ruling over his brothers. They didn't like that. He's the youngest brother. Okay. Um, they hated him for many reasons. Verse 20, come now, come therefore, let us kill him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it and delivered them out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to their, his father. So Reuben, the oldest, is actually trying to rescue him. Verse 23. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers 
that they stripped him of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. The story goes on. We won't read it today, but the story goes on. You will find out that um, they ended up selling their brother to slave traders, and he was sold in slavery in Egypt. And then they told their father that he was killed by a wild beast, and they fabricated some evidence uh, to, to, do, to make that story. But here's the deal. I don't know about you, but there have been a few times in my life where I have found myself, metaphorically speaking, in a pit. Okay? Have you ever been in a pit? Here's the thing about the pit test. The pit test is typically the consequences of your own bad choices. Okay, now in a few weeks, there are negative things that happen to us in our life that aren't our fault. The pit test is when it is our fault. In a few weeks, there will be a message um, when you do the right thing, but the wrong thing still happens to you. Okay, that will be in a few weeks. This message is when you do the wrong thing, but, and you end up with the undesired consequences of that wrong thing. Okay, have you ever experienced that? All right, um, go ahead and put up that, that picture. Um, you can't read the top of it, so I'm going to read it to you. But this is, you know, Scooby-Doo. Okay, so the top says, let's see who this really is, the person behind all of it. Well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. Okay, pulls the mask off, it's himself. This is what it's like many times in our life, right? Like, who did this to me? And you look into it like, I did this to me, didn't I? Okay, <laughs> ever been in that position? Okay, my old nemesis, the consequences of my own bad choices. I've been there a few times in my life. Uh, how many know that 17-year-olds are fully capable of winding up in a pit because of their own bad choices? But let's not forget that even 75-year-olds have the capacity to royally mess it up, okay? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a financial pit? I've been in some financial pits in my life. Um, I had a car repossessed one time. That was a financial pit. It was not good. Okay. Um, have you ever been in a relational pit? Have you ever been in a health pit? Have you ever been in a career pit? Okay. Financial. Have you ever filed for bankruptcy? Have you ever had more bills than money? That's a stressful place. Relationally. Have you ever gone through a divorce or a, or a, or a bad breakup? That can be, very, um, that can be a, a bad pit. Um, have you ever been estranged from close loved ones because of you, maybe, your interactions with them? Have you ever lost your temper and your friendship suffered because of it? <laughs> How many times are you proud after you lose your temper? Anyone? You know, I think we ought to be able to have brave and honest communication. That's something that, like, a, a healthy community has is brave and honest communication. But no one feels awesome, like, the next day after, like, I just lost it on that person. No one feels awesome about that, okay? Um, or a health pit. Let me ask you this. Have you ever found yourself in a health crisis and you know that the problem was at least in part because of the decisions you made and are making? Have you ever been in a pit because of that? This morning, I want to provide you with three important questions that we should all ask when we find ourselves in a pit. Okay? All right. Point number one. The question we need to ask, point number one, what is the position of the pit? In other words, we need to ask ourselves, what brought me to this position? What did I do 
to get myself in this position? Is there anything that I need to take responsibility for that got myself into this pit? It's happened many times in my life. You could say that Joseph found, he was literally in a pit, but you could say that metaphorically speaking, Joseph found himself in a deep relational pit with his brothers, fueled at least in part by Joseph's arrogance and his pride. His relationship with his brothers was completely non-existent. Uh, worse than that, worse than non-existent, it was actually a hostile relationship. And Joseph may have thought this, like in the, in, in the pit, man, it's not me, it's not pride in me, it's, it's jealousy in them. And that was probably obviously true. But Joseph, in part, played, played a role in this. But listen, this is, this is um, many times what happens to us. We want to blame other people when we're in the pit. And many times, we just need to stop and reflect on how we got ourselves into this mess. And could, is it possible I may have possibly maybe contributed to this situation that I currently find myself in, right? Never been there? Okay. Now listen, maybe, so I just want to tell you this morning, don't be a victim. Uh, maybe, your up, maybe your upbringing well, was subpar. Maybe it wasn't good. Maybe, maybe you're raised in an abusive home. Maybe it was you're neglected, physically abused or other. Um, maybe that was terrible. But listen, at some point in your life, uh, you have to take responsibility for your own actions, and you can't blame other people. Listen, your life, your life is the fruit of the decisions you make. Your life is the fruit of, of, the, of the choices you make, the actions you take or refuse to take, the decisions you make or refuse to make. But at some point, we have to stop blaming others and take responsibility. Oh, that's the culture's problem. Oh, what's the economy's problem? Oh, what's my boss's problem? Oh, what's my parents' problem? It's always someone else. Listen, you find yourself in the pit, you have to ask the question, did I get myself here? Okay. <clears throat> Many times people go from pit to pit, relationship to relationship, job to job. Here's one, paycheck to paycheck. It's not an awesome place to live if you're paycheck to paycheck. Um, that's not a great way to live. I would say that's a form of, of a financial pit if you're paycheck to paycheck. Um, but people don't ask themselves, why do all my, my romantic relationships end in heartbreak? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you doing it God's way? Are you doing it God's way in your life? God has a way for everything in our lives. Um, are you doing it God's way? Um, why do I go from financial pit to financial pit and can't ever seem to get out of this pit? Let me ask you a question. Are you doing it God's way? God has a way for us to steward finances. I mentioned earlier, um, like giving him everything and letting him be the Lord of everything in our lives. Um, let me ask you a question. Are you a tither? If you're in a financial pit, are you a tither? Are you putting God first in your finances? And sometimes you'll talk to people and they're like, oh, I can't afford to tithe and I will someday. And it's always someday. It's always somewhere out there. And they can't afford to do it. But it's like, can you do something? You know, can you 1%, 2%, 5%, you know? Um, yeah, many times these same people have like five streaming services. They have, you know, brand new phones and their kids all have brand new phones and they spend a bunch of money and they have cars they're making payments on, but they're like, we can't afford to tithe. It's like, eh, I think you can. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, get the kids a flip phone. Don't get them an iPhone, please. <laughs> right? They don't need that distraction. Okay. So ask the question, am I putting the Lord first in my life? How did I get myself in this uh, pit? Am I contributing to the situation? Okay, that's point number one. 
is the position of the pit. Point number two, this is important. What is the perspective of the pit? The next question you need to ask is, God, what are you saying about this situation? Get God's perspective of that pit, okay? If you don't, here's the problem. If you don't get God's perspective while you're in the pit, I guarantee you the enemy of your soul will be happy to supply you with a supplementary explanation, okay? That explanation will include lots of guilt, shame, and condemnation, and that's not what God's about. He's not about shaming. God's not about shaming us in the pit. The enemy of your soul most definitely will. The same one, the same enemy of your soul that will entice you to make bad choices to get you in a pit is the same one that will stand over the pit and then look at you and say, you dummy, look what you got yourself into. The same one that entices you will accuse you. Okay, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's also the tempter. Okay, he, he has these dual roles here, okay? Don't get the enemy's perspective while you're in the pit. God has a perspective for you, okay? There is a significant difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the condemnation of the enemy. Okay, conviction, God does convict us. The Holy Spirit does convict us. You know, when you do something wrong, you, you should be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes people, maybe men are more like this, more likely to say if someone's being kind of sensitive, I, I've got a wife and two daughters, and uh, sometimes people are sensitive. And what I don't want to do is like, what I don't want to do is be, you know, mean about people being sensitive. Because listen, we're supposed to be sensitive. We're supposed to be sensitive to the person of the Holy Spirit. And if you just, you know, charge your way through life without any regard for anyone around you and the way that God wants you to live, you're not sensitive. You maybe have calloused your, your heart to the Lord. You're supposed to be sensitive to the Lord. And one of the things that happens if you're a Christian is when you mess up, you, you're convicted by it. The Holy Spirit's like, mm, that's not who you are. Nope, that's not what you're supposed to be doing, okay? Here's the deal. Conviction is specific. You did that wrong, okay? Condemnation is general. Condemnation is like, you're the problem, okay? Conviction says, I did something wrong. Condemnation says, I am someone wrong. I'm something wrong. Um, conviction, conviction, it says, I did something wrong, and that has hope on the other side of it, right? I did something wrong has hope on the other side of it. It's like, okay. I did something wrong, but there's hope on the other side of that. Condemnation, I am someone wrong, has no hope attached to it. Where, where do you go from there? I'm someone wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm someone wrong. I'm something wrong. You can't go anywhere from that. Okay, there's no hope attached to it. But God wants to attach hope to it, and God doesn't condemn us. The most uh, well-known verse in the entire Bible, John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever will believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amazing scripture, most famous scripture probably in the entire Bible, in the history of the Bible. Um, many people can quote it forwards, backwards, but not many people can quote the very next verse after it, John three seventeen, um, And it's also a good one. It says this, John three seventeen, for God did not, everyone say did not, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Okay? God didn't send Jesus in this world to condemn us. You know why? He didn't need to. We were already condemned. We already stood condemned. We already stood guilty. He didn't need to come accuse us. 
We already stood guilty. He didn't need to condemn us. He needed to bring us life. Okay? We're already separated and lost, just like this young man Joseph that we're talking about. But here's the deal. The enemy of your soul will lie to you. The father of lies is what the Bible calls him. He will lie to you to get you in the pit, and he will lie to you while you're in the pit. Don't trust the contemporary. Get God's perspective for why you're in the pit. And I guarantee you, there will be hope attached to it. There will be hope attached to it, which is amazing. Um, and by the way, if you don't know how to do that, you don't know how to get God's perspective and hear his voice for the situation you're in, I want to um, highlight two ministries that we have here at the church. I don't do this enough. Um, but if you go to our website, citylights.church, go to the prayer tab. Um, if you scroll down to the bottom, there's two ministries I want to highlight. One of them is uh, the soaking prayer. If you just are going through a season and you just want um, a team of people to come around you and pray for you for an hour, it's a scheduled appointment to pray for you for an hour. It's soaking prayer. Um, My wife and I have both done this. It's amazing. Have people minister to you. And oftentimes you will get God's perspective on situations that you're going through. Another ministry that I I hope at some point everyone in this church um, goes through is uh, Sozo uh, Healing Ministry, Inner Healing Ministry. And um, it's really good at helping you to connect with the Holy Spirit and get God's perspective for the thing you're going through. God, what are you saying about the situation? What are you saying about me? And there's people there to help facilitate that with you to connect you to the Father's voice. It's really good, okay? So get God's perspective. Don't trust the condemner. All right, point number one, what's the position of the pit? Ask yourself, how did I get here? Take inventory. Point number two, what is the perspective of the pit? God, what are you saying while I'm in this place? He'll attach hope to it, guaranteed. Point number three, what is the purpose of the pit? Okay, every pit has a purpose. Okay, I'm going to tell you what the purpose of the pit is. The purpose of any pit is to get our eyes back on Jesus. Get our eyes off of ourselves or whatever it is and refocus on God. The point of any pit is to cry out to God and get God's help. Amen? Get your eyes on Jesus. If you change your mind, if you change your thinking, your behavior will follow. Okay? If you change the way you think, your actions will follow. Many times we try to, like, um, we see bad fruit on a tree, and it's like, well, let's pick that fruit off. But that fruit just keeps growing back. No, you have to go to the root. The root of your actions, the root of your behavior is here. It's in your mind. We have to change the way we think. If you're going in the wrong direction, it's because you have wrong thoughts. Okay? Um, if you're making bad choices, it's because you, you probably have your identity wrapped up in some type of a lie. You need to change your thinking. Um, I just gave you a definition of a word, and that word is repent. Okay? The definition of repent is change the way you think. Subsequently, your behavior will change because you change the way you think. Okay? Repentance is not a dirty word. It's a good, it's a good word. But we need to cry out to God and get our eyes on him, cry out to him for his perspective. Here's the deal. In the pit, you will recognize your dependence on God. And that's a good place for every Christian. I want to show you another guy in scripture who got himself into a pit. This individual had a dream from God and had a destiny from God. And this person ran in the opposite direction of the destiny. This person is Jonah. Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh and preach to them to get them to turn away. God's like, Jonah, go to Nineveh. He's like, sounds good. I'm going to Tarshish. 
He's like, I'm not doing that. He's like, I'm not going to go preach to those people. He, he ran from the call of God in his life. Listen, have you ever ran from the call of God in your life? Ever ran the opposite direction of what he was calling you to do? I have many times in my life, and it doesn't go well. Okay? Um, you're going to wind up in a pit if you do that. Uh, let's read Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Then Jonah prayed. Okay, so, okay, sorry. Jonah ended up going to Tarshish. He's on a ship. The ship is in a storm. They realize that someone on this ship is got a beef with God. <laughs> and they, they like figure out how to, they, they figure out who it is, and then they throw Jonah overboard. Okay, and the, 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 the storm goes away. Jonah gets swallowed by a fish, a giant fish, okay? And so, how many know that Jonah's in a pit right now, okay? That's a pit. If you're in the belly of a fish, that's not a good place to be. And what do you do when you're in a pit? Well, there's really only one thing to do. Uh, God's got your attention if you're in a pit, right? If you're inside of a fish, I don't think I need to tell you this. You're probably just going to, by reflex, pray, I would imagine. If you find yourself inside of a whale, fish, whatever, in the belly, and you don't you start thinking about your taxes, like, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're going to pray. There are certain situations you find yourself in, the reflexive answer is to pray. I've been in, um, I've been in two rollovers in my life, and I can tell without thinking about it, without premeditating on it, you're gonna, you have that one-word prayer. That one-word prayer is Jesus. Jesus, you know. So Jonah finds himself in this situation. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. <clears throat> and he said, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Um, Sheol, in other places in the Old Testament, is translated the pit. Okay, so this is certainly a pit that Jonah's in here. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Okay, bad place to be, but listen, really good news for those of us who've been in pits that God hears us when we cry out to him from the pit. Okay, he hears your voice if you're in that situation. Maybe you're going through that right now. Maybe you're in a financial pit. Maybe you're in a relational pit. Maybe you're in a health pit. Listen, God hears your voice when you cry out from the pit. That's really good news from us. Verse 6, you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Joseph ran from the destiny God had for him. God corrected him, and he ended up fulfilling the destiny that God had for him. Here's the thing about the pit. There isn't much else to do but to cry out from the pit. Now, I want to show you in Scripture a couple types and shadows of Christ uh, from the life of Joseph. I said this many times from the, from the podium. The Old Testament is Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. Okay, so we see Jesus in the New Testament, but all over the Old Testament, we see types and shadows of Jesus that points to the Messiah. But this is clearly in the life of Joseph, and I'll, I'll highlight a few here, and in weeks to come, there'll be more to highlight. But here's the thing. Joseph was stripped of his coat. Jesus was also stripped of his robe before they crucified him on the cross, and they cast lots for his garment. Joseph was sold to the Midianite traders, who took him to Egypt to sell him at a profit. The Bible doesn't say how much Joseph was sold for, but we know from the course of history that at that time, um, a slave was about 30 pieces of silver. 
How many remember that Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver? The Midianite traders were carrying three things, balm, spices, and myrrh. When they came to the tomb of Jesus to embalm him, they had three things, balm, spices, and myrrh. Joseph was betrayed by Judah. Remember, Judah was the one who said, let's, let's, uh, let's sell him. Let's kill him. Let's sell him. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. And in the Hebrew, the word Judah and Judas have the same root word. Joseph was thrown into a pit. How many know that Jesus went down to the grave for us? He went down to the pit to reclaim life for us. Ephesians 4 says Jesus went down to the pit. But here's the big difference. Jesus didn't do anything deserving to be thrown into the pit. But there was someone who did deserve to be thrown into the pit. And that person is you and me. We did something that deserves to be thrown in the pit. But Jesus went there for us so that we wouldn't have to. Amen? Jesus died on the cross. He paid the penalty of your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, so that we could be made right with God. I believe with all my heart that God will not leave you. And if you're in a pit, I believe with all my heart God will not leave you in that pit. Why? Why do I believe that? Because he didn't leave his own son in the pit. It says in Psalms chapter 16, verse 10, this is a messianic prophecy of Jesus. For you did not leave my soul in Sheol. You won't leave me in the grave. You won't leave me in the pit. Listen, if you cry out to God, turn from your ways, get his perspective, he will not leave you in that pit. Amen? What are we going to do? Number one, we're going to ask, what is the position of the pit? How did I get myself here? Number two, we're going to ask, what is the perspective of the pit? What is God saying in this situation right now? And number three, we're going to ask, what is the purpose of the pit? And the purpose is to get our eyes back on Jesus and to cry out to him, and he will rescue us from that pit. Amen? Why don't you guys stand to your feet? And I'm going to have the ministry team come right down here in the front. would be amazing. Um, I want to conclude by asking, what is God saying to you today through this message? What is it in your character that he's trying to work out so that you could step into the destiny that he has for you? I assure you, there is so much more he wants to do in and through you. And oftentimes it's our bad choices that get us into a pit, but God will rescue us from that pit. If you need prayer for anything going on in your life today, um, yeah, come Come more center, would you, prayer team? That would be great. Ministry team. Symmetrical. I like symmetry, okay? Um, if you need prayer for anything today, we'd be honored to pray with you today. Anything going on in your life, um, these, this ministry team, these guys are loaded. They're going to pray for you. But especially this morning, if you're in a, you find yourself in a pit, this is a good time to come and say, hey, can you pray with me? Hey, can, can you stand with me and, 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 and ask God to help me in this situation? And they will be honored to do that. So I'm going to pray, and uh, then we'll go ahead and close the service here. So, Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for today. I thank you for every individual in this house, Lord. I thank you, God, that though we do go through times, and sometimes those times are due 
to our own bad choices, Lord. You are not content to leave us there. You're, you want to pull us out of those things, Lord. So we look to you. We put our eyes on the author and the finisher, the, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, Lord God. I bless these people today. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen.